It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seiper, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin. And happy Passover, happy Easter to everyone out there, and to you guys. How you guys doing? Good. Oh, okay. My computer decided to uh, not, like, literally explode, but almost explode. Um, okay. So that was great, you know. Should we uh, give you some time to start over? No, no. I mean, a couple days ago, like right before an important work meeting. So I've spent the last like two and a half days putting my computer back together. Oh, I thought you literally meant like within the last like 30 seconds. (laughs) No, I mean, it's distinctly possible it could happen again. But at the moment, things are stable. Uh, Knock on wood, they stay that way for another two weeks. That's pretty good segue to promote extend trade. Oh boy! You, you know whose birthday it is today? Uh, so, someone who is equally as unstable as your computer. Jalen Palmer. I don't know, dude. Where, where are we going with this? <laughs> Jed Lowry. <laughs> oh, his knees unstable. I get it. Yep, yep. He's currently hitting with Oakland now. Two fifty, three thirty three, four thirty eight in five games, and. By the time, sometime this upcoming week, he's going to have played more games this season than he did over the entire course of his two-year stint with the Mets. Um, obviously, he had some pretty bad luck with injuries, um, or, or maybe specifically being injured and being on the Mets. That's probably more like it, but uh, that got me to looking at some weird baseball injuries over the year, and there were a lot. But How really, the met? most uh, – I stopped after I got to, like, four or five because this – just one dude has, like, three horrible injuries all by himself, and it's worth just looking at his injuries only. <laughs> Poor Jeremy Effelt from the Royals and Giants. Oh, I remember Jeremy. He was a lefty, right, kind of <laughs> kind of side army. I know I he was lefty. I don't know okay. if he's a sidearm or not. All right, all right. I think he has like five World Series rings, though. It's like mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, he's one of those weird guys on the Giants. But he got injured in all kinds of like horrible ways, comically horrible ways. 
So what injuries that he sustained are we going to promote, extend, or trade? Which I guess would translate to things that we wouldn't be horrible, things we definitely wouldn't want to happen, and things like would be terrible. I don't know. But here we go. So in 2011, his first major injury here, he needed surgery to repair nerve damage in his hand. Thankfully, it was his non-pitching hand. After he slashed it open while using a knife to separate two frozen hamburger patties. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It is. The very next year, 2012, he sprained his right knee MCL after his kid jumped into his arms after a game and he just kind of like shifted weight weirdly. I remember that one, actually. <laughs> I distinctly remember the reading about that at the time being like, God damn, that sucks. And... Last but certainly not least, in 2015, his damn kids again. He was playing with his kids, and he slipped on an inflatable pool toy, and he suffered a patellar subluxation, meaning his kneecap. Uh, ah! His kneecap, yeah. Ah! Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and, and trade that one. Oh, I hate... That I, oh, it, I always hated, like, looking at... I always hated those videos of knee injuries even before I had a really bad knee injury myself. Just, ah, no. That one's not even that bad, like, in terms yeah, of outcome. Yeah, I was about to... Outcome. Uh, yeah, it's just apparently nasty. they're not really that Still, bad. but knee injuries, like, never really go away. That yeah. one, I mean, that one's just basically a dislocation, similar to... I mean, it's not like your shoulder getting dislocated. Basically, you just need someone to pull your leg, no pun intended, um, and straighten it back out, and usually it'll just snap back into place. Mm-hmm. But actually, there's a pretty famous video of a some random cornerback on the Cowboys dislocating his patella and popping it back in, like, mid-play, which is wild. Damn. Uh, still, though, it's supposed to be super painful and very gnarly to look at. Just yeesh. Yeah, gnarly to look at, definitely. Mm-hmm. Dislocations in general are just always gnarly to, to look at. <laughs> that's yeah. not the way that's supposed to go. Yep. The hamburger one is just stupid. Like, come on, man. You're a professional athlete who needs your hands. Order a meal. You don't need to be slicing <laughs> your hamburger. You're like, hey, kids, sorry. We're not making hamburgers tonight. We're going to order some food. Don't, yep. don't, you know, you don't need some burgers. Use a fork at least, though. Something. Yeah. Also true. Yeah. Blood I have knife to say though, is more dangerous than a sharp knife. But yes, go yeah. ahead, Steve. I I have done that to myself, not with a frozen hamburger, but with a salami. I was kind of cutting the wrong way. <laughs> I have a scar. I have a, <laughs> the salami. I have a scar on my hand between my uh, pointer finger and middle finger. From stabbing myself with a knife, cutting salami in a weird way. Oh, if we want to do personal stupid knife injuries, I've got one for you without going on a five minute tangent about it. The very I, I first have one, yeah. <laughs> the very first time I went camping, little Lucas at like ten or twelve, my dad got me a new pocket knife and we're making marshmallow sticks, so I had the bright idea to mm. not only hold the knife in my left hand, I'm right handed, but hold the stick with my right hand in front of the knife, so that as I tried to whittle the knife, I just went, <laughs> and uh, there was lots of blood, walked back down the, the trail to the camp. The My dad and all his doctor friends were like, yeah, you need stitches, but the nearest hospital's two hours away, so just wrap it up and get back in the lake. It'll be fine. And Attaboy. I still, still can't feel part of my finger. So that that's my stupid knife story. I can't even judge this guy for trying to cut open two hamburger patties. <laughs> He was hungry. Uh, I, I too once tried to whittle, but I, I was 22 at the time. And cut <laughs> <laughs> my hand and spent the rest of the uh, camping trip with a sock on my hand. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it was literally like my friend Ricky, who's who's an Eagle Scout, who handed me the knife and was like, "Yeah, you want to whittle? Go for it." And like three seconds later, <laughs> I cut. <laughs> Like, not a terribly bad, not a bad cut, but, like, had cut into my finger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> enough for you to, enough to necessitate a sock. Yeah, enough to have to tie a sock around my you head. You put on a very gory sock puppet show, like, maybe make a, 
get something out of the experience. I, again, I was like 21 or 22. <laughs> well, now, let I me guess. ask you, Ken. Was there alcohol involved yeah. in this experience? I, I played the fifth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Audience, uh, take from that answer what you will. Well, I guess then we will all uh, extend the hamburger knife incident because we've uh, all been there. We've all well, been there. more we, embarrassing than like. Yeah. <laughs> who are we? Let he who is without stupid scar on hand uh, cast the first stone. The knee is getting traded. And the sprain, the sprain is annoying, but like not as grisly to think about. So yeah, yeah. I don't want that either, but. His his kid was this kid man. This fucking kid. <laughs> Sorry, man. You you no college fund for you. I had to spend it all on uh, surgical fees for the various <laughs> injuries you've caused yep. me. Hmm. Well, speaking of surgeries, we can shift now to our way too early draft updates. And last week when we were recording. Chase DeLauder, he played two out of three games that James Madison uh, played against the College of Charleston last weekend. I figured him getting the Sunday game off, you know, it's just a run-of-the-mill thing. Nope. Turns out, he broke his foot. And he's expected to miss a minimum of three weeks. Uh, James Madison plays until the end of May, plus potentially longer if they make it to the College World Series. But with uh, uh, right now they have an 18-15 and 15 record, so that's probably not in the cards. So hopefully he gets into a couple more games this year with them. Um, there's also uh, the Cape or one of the Woodback College Draft Leagues if he wants to get some additional at-bats because the draft is in July now. It's long after the uh, college season ends. But, yeah. So my first guy that I wanted to see, Lyndon Sins, he got Tommy John. And now Chase DeLauder is out with a broken foot for the next couple of weeks. I, I think uh, any any agent who's representing high end college prospects should reach out to Amazing Avenue and pay Steve Saipa to not pick your guy as a <laughs> draft follow because good lord. Yeah, I'm I'm a black cloud. Though, like you did mention on our Slack, if we want to put a positive spin on this as Mets fans. The injury and the lack of playing time, it's going to cause this draft stock to either hold or maybe even drop. And that makes it, you know, that that helps us as Mets fans wanting to see the Mets draft him. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to root or celebrate any injury, really. But speaking frankly, this is only going to cost him. Like, he was going to go in the, let's say, 7 to 20 range, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's a notable amount of money lost, but he's still he's still going to sign for like at least two and a half, if not closer to four million dollars for a signing bonus. This is not a long term injury, and it increases the chances the Mets draft him. I think so. As things stand now, assuming he doesn't come back, he's going to have a four hundred two, five twenty, seven fifteen line with Good eight Lord. doubles, <laughs> a triple. Eight homers, ten stolen bases, and twenty-eight walks to twenty-one strikeouts. So that's that's first-round numbers, most definitely. Plus, of course, you know the profile is you know it's it's a solid, good college hitter profile. Mm-hmm. With production on the Cape, the last yes. time he was there with Woodbat, so lot to like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be thrilled if he was one of the guys chosen in the first round by the Mets. Yep. So I hear there's a lot to like about uh, Lucas Brock Porter, huh? Yeah, so I'll do things in the reverse order today since I actually have Brock Porter updates for once. For some reason, it's impossible to find stats on him, I think because it's Michigan baseball and not like Georgia or Texas or California as Tyrese Maxey hits a three from the logo. Very nice. Um, uh, Porter just came out and threw another, no ho- another no-hitter. Ho-hum. Six innings, 11 strikeouts, one walk. Nothing not particularly hit. stressful. If I'm collating his stats correctly, and I'm not 100% sure I am, 16 inning pitched on the season, 31 strikeouts, six walks, four of which came in his one bad outing, two hits, both of which came in his one bad outing. He's thrown two no-hitters against, both against high-quality high school opponents. 
Like, okay. Now, I, I will put one caveat on this, and, and we do often see high school prospects dominate to an absurd degree. I think high school prospects with competent change-ups are an especially, uh, particularly rare, right? So, uh, and it's ironic that this is a draft class with two of them in Dylan Lesko and, and Porter, but... I mean, I imagine most of these hitters he's facing are seeing a real changeup for the first time ever and going, what the fuck is this? Like, what is I, this magic? I, I can't. I, I I don't know what to do. So, he looks real good. Look, there's some, I'm still reading some random concerns about some of the characteristics on his fastball. We don't have, I don't feel confident making any uh, uh, conclusions on that front myself yet. Um, but it's super exciting. I saw some draft rando who I don't know how legit they are comp him to Calvin Ziegler, and I've oddly watched more Porter than Ziegler, so I can't comment on how accurate that comp is, but I think he's a good deal better than that. Uh, okay, that was Porter. Dylan Beavers had a... Uh, it was like a good statistical week, but I honestly don't like it. He's now hitting 291, 413, 634. Like, same line as always, just over 1,000 OPS, average between 270 and 290. This week he had no homers, a lot of walks, five walks, but too many strikeouts. He struck out six times, and that since that's the big concern with him, at least for me, um, that's not really a, a great week for him, I don't think. Uh, no real change in his stock. Still a good comp or second round name that I'd like to see, but uh, he's he's done well, but not had like a crazy breakout. Like it looked like he might be doing the first week of the season. Mm. Well, when you mentioned um, seeing Porter more than Ziegler, that reminded me that a lot of FCL games now, FSL, excuse me. Have uh, what do you call it? MLB TV feeds. MLB TV. Yes, yes. Okay, I'll have to watch more Ziegler then. Mm-hmm. He's not pitching right now, but it just kind of—I was like, oh yeah. Is he an extended or? No, he's Where? on St. Lucie. He is on St. Lucie. Okay. They yes. just have a million fucking pitchers. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about they that. They have a pretty a good TV feed. It just—it's it, very jumpy. The, yeah. The feed. How's their how's the angle? Angle's not bad, it, but it, it's like really, really, really choppy. Mm-hmm. It's the the sunspots and yeah. such. Shockingly, have... a low, low A ba- or not low A. There is no more low A. A level baseball does not have high quality TV production. That's right. They have officially renamed low A single A. Right. Not that it really matters, but. All right, Ken, how are Jace Jung and Cam Collier doing? Uh, so Jace Jung played two games since in the last two weeks since I wasn't here last week. Uh, played two against Grand Canyon, three against Kansas State, so a pretty good program. One against Oklahoma, also a, pr- a very good program, and two against TCU, a pretty good program. He went eight for 27 with two homers, five extra base hits, ten walks against seven strikeouts. And is now hitting 380, 525, 723. That's a 1248 OPS. Jesus Christ. In 137 at bats. He's hit 10 home runs, 26 extra base hits, and 40 walks against 24 strikeouts. In overall. probably the best conference in college basketball. Basketball college baseball. Uh, so I'd go, I think the SEC is probably better. I think the PAC, okay. what is it, the PAC 12? Pac-12. Pac-12 is pretty probably, good, yeah. Probably on par or maybe a touch okay. above, but one of the major program, major um, conferences. One of, one of the top four or five. In conference, he's hitting a, a Paul Tree 293, uh, but he has a, a 446 OGP oh. and is slugging 707. In Excuse me? <laughs> I mean, it's less than the 723 he's slugging overall, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically he's striking out a little more against in conference, which you'd expect. And, uh, but has hit half his home runs in conference. So he had that College really stats. great pimp job too. A couple, was that a couple of weeks ago? We might've talked about this already. He looks fun as hell. Yeah. He's just a weirdo. Just like his brother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but yeah, I think there's a pretty compelling argument to be made that he's the best college hitter in the draft and will probably go well before the Mets pick at uh, 11. Uh, Cam Collier uh, played a ton in the last two weeks. He played four games against Northwest Florida State College, including a doubleheader, uh, two games against Tallahassee Community College, and one game against Pensacola State College. In those games, he went 16 for 31 with a homer, five extra base hits, no walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, so he's kind of rebounded a little bit to now hitting uh, 333, 426, 525, so a very good line. Uh, in 162 at-bats, he's hit seven homers, 17 extra base hits, 24 walks against 30 Ks uh, in 47 games. So they're all they're pretty far into their season now. Um, and, you know, things have kind of stabilized with him being, like, a very good hitter. Um, is he still 17, or has he turned 18 yet? One of these games, one of these days, I'm going to have this up in advance. Um, <laughs> but I do not know. <laughs> uh, let's see, his birthday is... Uh, yeah, because they don't have it on their website. That's why I never know. <laughs> he is 17 and four months old. Thank you. Okay, so he's gonna be he's gonna be 17 and through the draft. Jeez. Uh, now we know I've noted in the past that he started struggling a bit when he started playing in conference games. Uh, that's kind of reversed. So now he's hitting 329, 378, 507 in 73 at bats against in conference opponents. So, uh, draft stock up, still very much in play for one of the Mets' many picks. Uh, mm. Yeah, hopefully. We're still waiting for them to get that Conforto pick. Is that going to mess up all of our draft <sighs> dreams here? Uh, we'll have I to settle so. for just three in the top hundred or whatever. Mm, fucking is. Conforto. <laughs> should have four in the top 50-ish still. Yeah, because the, the second round pick will be around there. Right. Yeah, yeah that, that. it's like 11, 14, they'll be like 40-ish. So do we all think Conforto's just not going to sign until after the draft? I seriously think he will sign, but who knows? Yeah, I think at some point he's, he's I don't know. I don't do think, you guys I believe think... the whole thing about the shoulder? No, he's definitely not. Nah. <laughs> I don't think you can hold out till July, though. Like, I don't think that's the yeah, thing I don't think it's possible. you could do. Some team that's gonna, some team is gonna lose uh, an every, a good everyday player at some point, and we'll sign him for like one and ten or something. Yeah. Who was the last guy that got screwed like this with the draft? I keep thinking like Irvin Santana, but it can't be Irvin Santana. Call it like Kyle Loesch, Stephen Drew, Craig mm. Kimbrell. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Craig Campbell yeah. signed late with the Cubs, I and that was all about that. Yeah. freaking disaster. Mm-hmm. And then somehow had two good months, and the White Sox got drunk enough to trade Nick Madrigal for him, which is crazy. But hey, whatever. Madrigal's been awful so far, so maybe they weren't drunk actually. <laughs> all right, so. Uh, obviously, minor league baseball is in full swing now, so let's go over how all of the affiliates did, and we'll just kind of give our our thoughts and feelings and everything so far. First up are the Syracuse Mets. They went uh, stupendous 0 and 5 this week, and that leaves uh, that that leaves them at 1 and 9 on the year, dead last in the International League East, six and a half games behind the Worcester Red Sox, and. I don't think it's very often that you could say in like the first or second week of the season that your team has dug themselves into an unescapable hole. But I feel like Syracuse is in an unescapable hole. Oh, this ro- this roster's bad. Yeah, I mean, we knew they were going to be bad, but I didn't think they would immediately be this bad. <laughs> I mean, the worst. Yeah, I did the recap, the the farm report. We were recording on Saturday, so I did the fine report for the Friday game. They scored 12 runs, including a four-run eighth, and then gave up six in the bottom of the eighth to lose it 15 to 12. <laughs> yep. NC Diaz has an ERA of 54, not 5.4, 54. <laughs> 
Not great. No. Well, a couple of players, a couple of players are doing decent. Um, Mark Vientos and Travis Blankenhorn, they're both getting into, getting off the solid starts. Vientos is hitting 250, 364, 464, with three doubles, a homer, and four walks, seven strikeouts in nine games. And Blankenhorn is hitting 286, 318, 571, with two homers, a stolen base, and one walk to eight strikeouts of five games. Uh, Daniel Polka, he's like on fire right now. He's hitting 353, 421, 882, with three doubles, two homers, and uh, two walks to four strikeouts. But he's also, you know, a 30 year old, quite a guy with MLB service time. So. Not really uh, a, a guy we're going to spend too much time talking about. But other than those guys, there's not a single starter on Syracuse that has an OPS over 600. I'm afraid not to great. look at what Khalil That's not good, right? Right now, that's, yeah. that's bad. <laughs> Anyone want to guess yeah, uh, what Khalil Lee's strikeout percentage is? In it's high. A. High well, is a good guy. High. Not that high. 46.2. Yeah. He's batting 042, 115, 042. Oh, mm-hmm. boy. Nick Plummer hasn't really played, so... He's been on the taxi you know, squad. Yeah, that's one bright spot that we might have that we don't have. Khalil Lee, very surprising that he's doing so bad. Um, one for 24 in six games. They played today. I didn't update this, but obviously... Not great. Carlos Cortez, he sucks, and I will continue saying he sucks. And lo and behold, look at his numbers; they suck. Uh, pitching wise, it's it's as bad as we thought it was going to be. The only two guys that are kind of interesting: Sapucky. He's made a bad start, and he's MIA right now in Syracuse. Eric Orsi, he's been hit around in a couple of appearances. Um, you know, at the same time, though, we're at the point where there's been, you know, they've played, like, ten games. So everything's super meaningless, super small sample sizes. But we always say that it's better to see better numbers than it is to see poor numbers here. The Lee numbers are depressing and very sad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wasn't hyped on him necessarily, but after the second half, not even second half, because it was more than just the second half last year, but after his, you know, suckage with the Mets, and then he went back to AAA, he he really was on fire for like months and months and months. I thought that it would carry over. Evidently not. Yeah, I mean, maybe, again, though. Yeah, it's a bad it's a bad couple of games. He might turn it on next week and never look back, you know. But listen, we need content. Mm-hmm. So we will moan and bitch about his uh seven game sample size here. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is the deal. Each week you're here is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com All right. Next up are the Binghamton Rumble Ponies. They went... One and four this week. They are two and five on the year. They are last in the Eastern League Northeast Division. Um, record ain't great, but the big three are living up to expectations. They're exceeding expectations so far, and that's more important than win and losses. Francisco Alvarez, 
Uh, through five games, he's hitting 368, 435, 947, with two doubles, three homers, and two walks to four strikeouts. Brett Beatty is currently hitting in six games, 407, 407, 667, with four doubles, a homer, um, no walks, which is a little odd for him, uh, and eight strikeouts. And Ronnie Mauricio is hitting 320, 370, 560 over six games with three doubles, a homer, one stolen base, and one walk to eight strikeouts. <laughs> Ronnie Mauricio has more walks than Brett Yeah, every, everyone who had Mauricio, Lee, tap, laughing, Beatty, and walks, uh, raise your hand. Now lower your hand, you fucking liars. Uh, so, yeah, I mean... Beatty, I think we all expect... I mean, this is... Uh, Beatty's not repeating Binghamton, but he kind of is. You know, he got promoted mid-season last year, so he has experience with double-A pitchers. Uh, uh, excuse me, pitchers. We, we all kind of figured that he's going to do well. Alvarez... Um, I just know, think just, he's going to hit anywhere he goes. Right, he's, <laughs> he's just good, period. So. He's just absurd, yes. I'm going to... I'm going to temper things slightly like he's still taking some pretty ugly swings and misses but when he hits the ball it sure goes real fucking far man it does he's gonna be and good mauricio, i just think it might take a little bit of time still mauricio had a little 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 bit of experience in binghamton last year at the end of the season and he did perform well and it's good to see that he's performing well once again in you know our extremely meaningful six-game sample size. Um, well, I guess I have to admit defeat. Sorry, I'm just a hater. Ronnie Mauricio is yep. actually good. Damn. You're just lucky Ronnie Mauricio doesn't have a brother on Twitter. <laughs> That's a deep cut. What is, what is Anthony K up to these days? Let me, let me go look that up real quick. Anthony K. Oh, no. Oh, no. Anthony K has Anthony K, friend of the podcast, uh, has given up one run in two <laughs> innings this year for Toronto and has been bad in AAA for one start. Anthony yeah, K, friend of the podcast. Bobby K, not friend, not of friend of the podcast. I'm going to go ahead and say my assessment uh, on Anthony K was, if anything, optimistic. So, yeah, he's still on the youngish side. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, Mauricio is. It's it's like I was saying. We expected Beatty to do well. We expected Alvarez to do well. Mauricio, the jury was out. He could go over for the entire season now, and you know, be out of baseball at the end of the year. Odds of that happening are extremely slim, but it's just good to see Mauricio hitting well. Um, especially because really that's like <laughs> all Binghamton has. Uh, the other two hitters on the. On our top 25, Hayden Sanger and Jake Mangum, they are both getting out of the gate slow. Sanger is 3 for 15 in four games, and Mangum is 4 for 22 in five. Again, not very meaningful sample size. But those two guys are have always been more defense-oriented than offense-oriented anyway, so definitely something that we're going to want to continue watching because... You know that's the difference between them being legit or not. How they had the had the bats come along. On the pitching side, nobody's pitched enough to make any kind of real judgments. But Jose Budo, he's getting off to a nice start. Eight point one innings over two starts, uh, one earned run, five hits ain't bad. One walk is good. Seventeen strikeouts, which is tied for most in the Eastern League, along with um, Akron Rubber Duck starter Logan Allen. And he had a solid stretch at Binghamton last year. So, you know, there might be a, a major leaguer in there. You know, I, I I was never a fan of him. I saw him a ton in, in Brooklyn and Columbia. And he wasn't particularly great because his fastball was very eh. And since then, he's added some more velocity to his fastball, which is one of the, you know, one of two major things that he needed to do to show that he can be a viable pitcher, and he did it. You know, instead of being like 
89 to 92, which is what he was mainly when I saw him. Now he's like 92 to 94. That's a big difference. The other thing that he needs to do, though, is either scrap his curve and turn into a slider or tighten it up or something because he's really only, you know, fastball, changeup, combo guy. And as a starter progressing, that's not going to really work out throwing two pitches. As a fastball changeup reliever, though, that, that you know, I could see low leverage middle relief. If he's striking out two batters an inning, I mean, that'll play kind of anywhere. So yeah. Um, how many? How much more of this do you need to see before you want him in AAA? At least another half season. I mean, he's he was kind of like Brett Beatty. He spent half the year in Brooklyn, half the year in Binghamton. Interesting. Okay. Like, I'm willing to push him up after, like, another 20 innings of this, honestly. But are you also yeah. willing to push him to a pen roll? Yes. Gen- I mean, I think... I think this I, I would bump him if, if they're willing to make that, you know... I would bump him earlier if they're willing to make him a reliever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why waste the bullets, you know? But if you want to stay a starter, you probably want to leave him longer. I mean, I think this is one area where... We as a whole are more aggressive on this front than the Mets, and I think I might be the most uh, aggressive of the four of us about pushing guys into the bullpen. I just think with modern pitcher usage, you don't really lose a lot by doing that. Like multi-inning relievers are a thing and super valuable, Um, and unless it's like a very clear and obvious potentially high-end starting pitching prospect, I'd rather put them in the pen earlier and, and, and push them. And if that's what Budo is, I think that's what they should do. That's honestly what I'd like to see them do with Dominic Hamill going down a little further. But, yeah. Like, if he's striking yeah, out two guys in an inning, he's probably too good for the level, and he's not going to learn anything anyway. Yeah, I think, I mean, think a lot of these guys are going to end up relievers anyway, so you might as well make the transition early. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Instead of dreaming on a pitch that's probably not going to come, let him use the two in a way that's useful to you now. Well, we'll see. I mean, one thing that the Mets are definitely starving for is upper minors starting pitchers depth. And yeah. Udo is really the only thing that they have <laughs> in that regard. So I don't know if they will be as... Uh, quick to say, you know what, let's just put him in the bullpen, then we might be. But at the same time, I mean, you know, you need starters for Syracuse. There are guys on the free agent keep. Go sign Brett Anderson or whomever, I don't care. Right, exactly. Like, I don't want to say who cares because, you know, we, as Mets fans have seen, you know, you want to keep good relations with your minor league affiliates or else you end up in Las Vegas, but <laughs> At least, you know, the Mets do own Syracuse now, so I guess that can never happen again. But tell, you me wanna... a, tell me a desert launching pad on the other <laughs> side of the country is not an ideal developmental environment? I guess not. Nor is it an ideal um, prospect no, recap me, watching environment. No, do not, do not, please remind me of... The pain of late-night Vegas games that just kept going and going. Yep. All right, now, uh, Brooklyn, they are 4-1 and one in the week and are 5-3 and three in the year and are a half a game behind the Aberdeen Ironbirds in the South Atlantic North. Jalen Palmer, he's the main prospect there. He's hitting 267, 389, 400 through five games with a pair of doubles, a steal, Two walks to six strikeouts. Um, JT Schwartz and Rowdy Jordan, two 2021 draftees. They're getting off to hot starts. Schwartz is hitting 304, 429, 522 with a triple, a homer, and four walks to eight strikeouts. And Jordan is hitting 286, 333, 461 with a double, two triples, two walks, and nine strikeouts. We figured those guys would perform well at that level. You know, they're solid college hitters. Obviously, they have great names. Guys like that are just going to succeed. 
more strikeouts than we would have expected from Schwartz, honestly, but given what he was billed as, but still a nice yeah. start for sure. Now, who had Brandon McGillwain being one of the uh, Cyclones' leaders in offense? Cause Did I any of us even put him on our lists? No, I don't mean top 25. No. How many of us actually even listed him? Uh, he's not He's not a top 25. He's not a top 50. He's maybe, I guess, a top 75 at that point. But mm-hmm. he's an interesting dude. Um through five games, he's hitting 357, 438, 500 with five, excuse me, with two doubles, two steals, and one walk to three strikeouts. And he split his time in college between football and baseball, and he played a lot more football than he did baseball because of a variety of NCAA reasons. But, you know, he, he was super athletic, but super raw guy when the Mets signed him in 2020. And the odds of him putting things together are slim, but you know it's 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 like Tebow, a younger Tebow without all the Tebowness, you know. No, no uh, uh, kneeling on the field. Not that I know of, but I, I can't say that I've seen him in person yet. So maybe he does. No, son of God stuff. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, pitching for Brooklyn hasn't looked good. I don't even want to get into it. Like I said, though, it's it's too early to talk about pitching with most guys. You know, they have like eight innings max under their belt. So let's not even talk about Brooklyn's pitching, which should be good, but for reasons that are known only to the Mets, it is lacking right now because everybody is in St. Lucie. Now that's a team. They went three and one this week, and they are five and two on the year, and are in first place in the Florida State League East. And basically, everything is working out for them. Um, among all the starters, only two guys, William Lugo and Omar De Los Santos, are OPSing under 600. Alexander Ramirez, he's currently hitting 560, 607, 840, with three doubles, two triples, one walk, and a strikeout. Stanley Consuegra, he's hitting 333, 357, 407. Justin Guerra is hitting 350, 480, 450. Carlos Dominguez is hitting 273, 56, 11. Only two strikeouts. I was ex- I was waiting for like okay, here comes the. But every strikeouts. time he didn't get a hit, it was a K. Yep. Yep. <laughs> he has an average exit velocity of 150, and he struck out 60 percent of the time. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know what he has left in the tank. Um, you know, he is going to be a little old for the league. But at the same time, developmentally, he is a little bit behind his peers because he had injuries in 2019 and then last year in 2021 and then obviously COVID in 2020. So, yeah, he is 23, but, you know, baseball, in baseball years, maybe he's more like 20, you know? Yeah, the, uh, look, the upsides, the upside's still look sky the high side. there if it ever works out. I just yeah. don't think. Don't think it's gonna work out, but we'll see. Yeah, no, it's it's not very likely, but it would be fun. Contreras so was a fun one on there too. Yeah, he's interesting. He was always interesting. Um, he just hasn't played like at all. He's just been hurt, which I think is a makes me more optimistic that this is real than in, I than Newton doing this, you know, but. It'd be nice. The Mets could sure use some more uh, uh, more prospects. Definitely. Um, on the pitching side, you know, like we said all the hitters or or everything's working out. And on the pitching side, you know, small sample size, but so far everybody is working out too, except for poor Nick Zwack. He 
he gave up seven earned runs in 3.2 innings. So can we say that he's been whacked around? Nailed it. Oof. My only comment on Zwack was that just from the name, you can tell he's a lefty. You hear that name, you're like, yeah, that's a lefty reliever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's good to see pretty much everyone in St. Lucie pitching-wise doing well. I just want to know how long are they going to keep all these guys on this roster? I mean, Ramirez is on. He's got to get promoted pretty quick if he keeps hitting like this. Mm-hmm. Um, is this where he played last year? I can't remember. I yes. believe yes, and this is where he had all the trouble with the night games and the the vision and the everything else. I was trying to figure out when writing one of the farm reports whether they've been playing night games or not to see if that pattern was continuing, and then I got bored and. Stopped looking into it, so. Um, That's dedication, folks. Yeah. Look, look, I, I've got a, I've got a committee meeting in a week and a half. I have other things to do right now. Listen, uh, he's hitting five sixty. He's hitting five sixty. Pretty. Nothing is more pretty, important. Yeah. And the so, farm report, Steve. Yes, yes, yes. Truly, nothing is more important than that. Well, forget the farm report. Nothing is more important than Alexander Ramirez's night day split. Uh huh. But yeah, I mean, I I can't. He's played the entire year, St. Lucie. I can't see him being in St. Lucie for the entire season this year. And just all of those pitchers, you know, I could also see them, you know, if Newton gets off to a good start, pushing him, and all of those pitchers, you know. It's too many pitchers. Yeah, I mean, it's just Brooklyn. Brooklyn must win. We got to push some of these guys up to Brooklyn. I mean, hopefully by the summer, half of this roster is in Brooklyn, so will be a fun summer, if so. All right, and we're going to finish things up this week by bringing back an old segment. Oh, yeah, that guy. The season started so we can look back and, you know, see stats of guys that we've kind of forgotten about. And this guy is... It, it's not so much a stat thing as much as it's relevant to a guy that we talked about before. And we talked about Brandon McElwain and him being a football-baseball guy. So our first, oh yeah, that guy for 2022 is going to be another football-slash-baseball guy. Bradley Marquez. Mets drafted him in 16th round of the 2011 draft out of Odessa High School in Texas. They signed him for $325,000, which is a lot for the 16th round. But crazily enough, that's actually not even the most that a 16th rounder got that year. Um, The Royals drafted shortstop Jack Lopez, and they signed him for $750,000. And I'm not really sure who Jack Lopez is, though, so... Great career. I don't know who any any of these people are. Like, you're just saying names. (laughs) You don't remember Bradley Marquez? I have he no didn't play memory. a lot though. I have no memory. Maybe of this maybe guy. this will maybe this will refresh you, um, your your memory because he was a two sports star. He played baseball and football. And unlike ninety nine percent of the guys who get drafted out of high school playing two sports and get drafted and then they have to decide, you know, okay, am I gonna go to college or play baseball? He said, Fuck it, I'm doing it my way and he got drafted. He worked out an agreement with the Mets that despite being drafted, he was still going to go to Texas Tech and play football. They were going to pay for his tuition. And (laughs) and in the fall and winter, he played football. And then in the spring and summer, he came and played baseball. So his first year with the Mets was 2012. And he appeared in nine games of Kingsport before he hurt his quadriceps and missed the rest of the season. But he hit a pretty okay 267, 313, 367. His second year with the Mets, he got into 27 games with Kingsport, basically about a third of the season, and he hit 250, 286, 345. And basically, at the end of July, he announced that he was going to leave Kingsport to go back to Texas Tech to get ready for his junior season. And by doing that, he forfeited a lot of money. Um, When he 
worked out his draft agreement with the Mets. He got a lump sum of $100,000, which is about a third of his bonus right then and there. And then he'd get the rest of it within two years. Um, but only if he decided to stick with baseball full-time. So by choosing to go back to Texas Tech and play football in his junior year, he basically lost out on $225,000. I have no memory of this, Steve. I'm, really? I, 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 you're ga- I feel like we're being gaslit right now. Listeners, Ken? I, I remember Bradley Marquez. Uh, Ken's in on the gaslighting as well. <laughs> <laughs> well... He didn't play in 2013, and then he didn't play with the Mets in 2014 either, since that was his senior year, and he wanted to focus on football and possibly being drafted. And he ended up not being drafted, but he did get signed with the St. Louis slash St. Louis slash Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, he played for the St. Louis Rams in 2015, and then the Los Angeles Rams in 2016. Then he got hurt. And he ended up getting released by them. And then the Lions signed him in 2017 and 2018. And he got a little bit of playing time. But he was eventually cut um, in September 2018. And since he was technically still under contract with the Mets, despite all these years passing, he returned to baseball in 2019. And the Mets sent him to the Columbia Fireflies. And he went one for four to double in his first game after missing all that time. And after about two weeks or so, he was slashing a not terrible 276, 323, 310. But being away from baseball, it eventually caught up to him. And by the beginning of May, about a month after uh, the season started, he was hitting 161, 224, 177. And he decided to voluntarily retire. And since being out of sports, um, he's worked in sales, and he's currently an analyst for uh, a big construction company, but not too many people can say that they played professional baseball and professional football at the same time. So good for him. And got his uh, degree. Yes, and he does also have his degree. Do they have football cards? I'm pretty sure they have football cards, right? Yeah. I could not tell you. Yeah, definitely. So he has a football card. He has a baseball card. I mean, he could probably, although he, he, I don't know. It's just cool to be able to say, I I wanted to do all this, and I did. Also probably worked out pretty well for him. Uh, The NFL league minimum is significantly more than the the money he forwent. Yes, that is true. All worked out well for Mr. Marquez. All right, so if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex2queens at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at ZMetSeason, S-Z-N. Subscribe to our podcast, where I get your podcast from, rate and review it. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.